Welcome back to a special bonus episode of Working Wild U. We wrapped up our first season, Wolves in the West, a few weeks back, and we've been blown away by the response from everyone. Thank you for listening, sharing, and reviewing the show. If you remember, we ended season one on Wolves in the West by heading to Colorado, where wolves are set to be reintroduced by the end of 2023. As we explored in episode 13, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is currently drafting the wolf management plan. Part of this process involves the stakeholder advisory group, the SAG, which was made up of people from the ranching community, wildlife advocates, guides and outfitters, hunters and anglers, and wildlife managers, among others. Joining us today is Hallie Mahald with Western Landowners Alliance, a landowner-led nonprofit advancing policies and practices to sustain working lands, connected landscapes, and native species. To ensure landowners and managers in Colorado were represented in providing input to Colorado Parks and Wildlife, Hallie was appointed as a member of the SAG, or the Stakeholder Advisory Group. Thanks for joining us today, Hallie. Glad to be here, Jared. Thanks for having me. So the wolf plan process in Colorado is pretty much all people are talking about right now with things wolves. Where are we in this process? Yeah, great question. So right now we are in the process of the review, the revisions, and the finalization of the wolf management plan. So the draft management plan was released by Colorado Parks and Wildlife in December of last year. And then there's been a number of wildlife commission meetings across the state, public comment period um, that wrapped up at the end of February of 2023 of this year. And now we are looking at a revised draft management plan, which will be in advance of this April Wildlife Commission meeting with a final plan and approval set for early May of this year. So things are moving quickly and we are really in kind of the final stages of this management plan process. Yeah. Okay. Wow. May for a final review plan. That's that's right around the corner. And it's important to remember that the court relisted wolves outside of the Northern Rockies in February 2022. What exactly does this mean for Colorado? Yeah, it's important to remember that the draft management plan that is currently being reviewed and revised and will be finalized in May is only under the case that wolves are under state management and being managed by Colorado Parks and Wildlife. But that is not the same as the federal recovery plan or a federal recovery process. And when wolves were relisted in February of 2022, they moved back under federal management by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So there's a federal management process because it's federally listed right now. So while Colorado Parks and Wildlife and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are working closely together, the Fish and Wildlife Service is actually undergoing their own process. And this is being really what you'd hear of it as is a 10-J process. And what that means is that would allow the Fish and Wildlife Service to reintroduce wolves under the status of an experimental population. And that allows for greater management flexibility than it would if they were reintroduced as an endangered species. And so there is currently a process where um, a draft 10-J was released and there's public comment ongoing right now. And that process will be happening concurrently um, while the reintroduction and management plan in Colorado is being put together and finalized. So is this 10J process in Colorado something that the stakeholders are hoping for? Is that what they want? 
Yes. Um, particularly, I mean, from my seat at Western Landowners Alliance, it's critical for producers and landowners in Colorado to have this 10J in place. It will allow for a lot of the flexibility that we talk about in the four C's. It will allow for more conflict prevention management and techniques to be allowable on the ground. It also will allow for lethal management in certain circumstances. Without a 10J, I would say it really feels like Parks and Wildlife, as well as the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, will really have their hands tied in terms of management. And so the hope is that this 10-J process will be wrapped up and finalized in December of this year. And at the same time, under the Proposition 114, wolves will be reintroduced by December of this year. So it's an extremely tight timeline from what I can see, it's it's a critical aspect of this process. And so Colorado Parks and Wildlife and Fish and Wildlife Service are working really closely together to try to get the NEPA done as quickly as possible. Great. And shameless plug here to know more about the four C's and some of the conflict prevention tools and things of that nature. You can turn back into some of our previous episodes of Working Wild. Speaking of this 10J designation and, and something we kind of hit on during this first season is that's also kind of the process that went forward when wolves were reintroduced back into Yellowstone and, and parts of Idaho and the Northern Rockies. Yeah, that's correct, Jared. To my knowledge, wolves have never been reintroduced by the Fish and Wildlife Service without a DENJ designation. Um, it's certainly true in for Mexican gray wolves in Arizona and New Mexico and was in Montana as well as Idaho. And so it would really be an entirely different situation to be looking at reintroducing wolves in Colorado without that experimental population and without that flexibility of management. So that's all happening on the federal management side. Let's pause and move back to the state side of things. In our last episode, we asked guests the question, just how much influence does the SAG have in drafting the wolf management and reintroduction plan in Colorado? Being officially a non-decision-making body, you know, what What's your take on all of that, Hallie? And, and were the recommendations that were brought by the SAG included in the draft wolf plan? Overall, I, the answer to that is yes. I can certainly see recommendations from both the technical working group and the stakeholder advisor group in the draft management plan. Colorado Parks and Wildlife staff who drafted the plan spent the year and a half sitting in every stakeholder advisory group meeting, every technical working group meeting. And it was clear that those recommendations and those statements showed up in the plan more so even than I anticipated. You could see it in the impact-based management, compensation, conflict minimization, the fact that there's aspects of lethal management across the different phases. I was really happy to see that in that initial draft management plan, you could see verbatim a lot out of the stakeholder advisory group, both in the level of the principles, but also in a lot of the details of the plan. I would also like to point out that in this process of revisions of the draft management plan, there was concerns early on that potentially due to public comments or due to comments and concerns coming out of the Wildlife Commission that potentially aspects of the plan or the whole plan itself might kind of get pushed aside, that there might be opposition to certain elements or um, especially um, on kind of 
the extremes of both sides, I would say, had more concerns and issues with the plan. Um, but I've been really impressed to see how the Wildlife Commission has really come out in support of the draft management plan that was put together by Parks and Wildlife, have been really supportive of what came out of the stakeholder advisory group and the technical working group. And while I expect we'll see some tweaks based on what's been said in the revised plan that we'll be looking at in April and then the final plan in May, by and large, um, those recommendations will stay in the plan, which I think has been really great to see from my perspective because of all of the time and energy put in by, you know, voluntary stakeholders traveling across the state, spending that time together. And also because this kind of process so much relies on collaboration and people coming to the middle and thinking about compromise. And so while the plan may not be perfect, and while I'd be surprised if any individual feels like every aspect of the plan meets exactly what they need, I think that in itself is a success because individual stakeholders maybe each gave a little, got a little. And I think in a state like Colorado with this diversity of perspectives, the plan that will work for Colorado will involve those kind of trade-offs, but also hopefully involves a number of win it wins where we had consensus and where the group was able to come together. Wow, that must, having set on the SAG, be refreshing to see that the time and effort from really all the stakeholders were included when the wolf management plan was being put together. What's next for wolves and management plan in, in Colorado? What we all need to be thinking about and working on around wolf management and reintroduction next in Colorado is funding. So while we may have a reintroduction and management plan that was well-informed by the stakeholder advisory group and by the technical working group that I think has key aspects of the four C's that offers some really positive support for producers that will face, you know, potential impacts and for other stakeholders. And we really tried as a stakeholder advisory group to look at the potential social and economic impacts and build a plan that could address those impacts. That is all dependent on funding. And while Proposition 114 had the mandate to reintroduce wolves, and as part of that, it did talk about compensating livestock producers for losses, it did not come with direct sources of funding. And all of this is expensive, whether it's conflict minimization tools, more staff capacity for Colorado Parks and Wildlife to work with producers on impacts, to monitor ungulate populations, as well as compensating for losses. Um, all of that requires resources and funding. And um, that's really a critical piece that I would hate to see kind of lost in this process by saying like, wow, we may have successfully developed this plan, but now we really need to be looking for ways to ensure that as a state, there are resources to support that, to be able to address these impacts and to make um, this process a success, both for the people on the ground and for wolves. Thanks for sharing that perspective. And as we wrap things up here, is there you know anything else that, that you would like to provide while I got you here? I'd just like to say that at Western Landers Alliance, we are going to continue working in Colorado with producers, with partners ahead of this reintroduction of wolves, as well as during the process to try to best mitigate these impacts and support landowners on the ground as wolves continue to disperse 
in from Wyoming, as well as our reintroduce on the ground. So we're looking to provide resources um, and support this process as much as possible. That's great. Thank you, Hallie, so much for for being here. And to our listeners, again, we, we can't thank you enough for all of your support during season one. We're working hard on season two coming down the line. And so stay tuned. And thank you, Hallie, again for sharing your expertise. Thanks, Sharon. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here today. Working Wild U is a production of Montana State University Extension and Western Landowners Alliance with support from the Arthur M. Blank Family Foundation, Western Sayre, and listeners like you. We'll see you later this year for season two of Working Wild U.